When passion, perseverance, and performance join forces, success is born. When your lifestyle is cultivated around physical and mental well-being, winning is inevitable. If you're somebody who likes to set goals and crush them too, you've come to the right place. This is putting yourself first. This is motivation. This is the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. What's going on, everybody? We are live on Instagram, we are live on Facebook, and we are back with another episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast, switching things up a little bit today and recording this one live to celebrate a big milestone, episode 50 of the podcast. It's been an awesome journey. I'm loving this more every week and the opportunity to connect with people, um, educate people, and learn from the amazing people that I get to speak to. So, when I was thinking about um, kind of a you know celebratory topic, I was thinking about all of the things that I've learned along my health and fitness journey, and especially the things that I have changed my mind on. I've learned that when it comes to health and fitness, that the most respectable people in the industry, and honestly, the most trustworthy people in the industry, are the ones who are open and honest about the fact that they've changed their mind on things along the way certain habits that they had, certain um, things that they did with their fitness or nutrition or mindset that they really believed to be the best thing in the beginning. And then maybe along their journey, they realized that there's a better way of doing something. So quick episode today, diving into the five things along my health and fitness journey that I have changed my mind on. If you are watching this live on Facebook or live on Instagram and you want to jump in um, with any feedback, any questions, I would be happy to incorporate that into the conversation as well. So number one thing that has changed throughout my fitness journey has been core training. So when it comes to core training, training the abs, training the core, um, this is something that in the beginning of my fitness journey looked a lot different than it does now. So I used to be the girl that at the end of all of my workouts in the gym, I would spend like 15 to 20 minutes on the mat in the corner, cranking out crunches and Russian twists and leg raises and B-ups and all of those kind of like, you know, 15 minute ab exercises that are super common. And while none of those exercises are bad for you, they're still going to accomplish a given, you know, task. They're not really the best way to train your core. So when we think about the purpose of the core, the purpose of our core muscles is to stabilize. It's to actually resist excessive motion. You might have heard of the term anti-rotation before, which is the main function of our core. Now, when we do core exercises like crunches and sit-ups and leg raises, you're still using those abdominal muscles to flex your trunk or rotate your trunk. However, strengthening your core in that way is not going to carry over to athletic performance. When it comes to performing exercises like squats or deadlifts or even doing sprints or doing some kind of, um, let's say you play field hockey or lacrosse, any kind of athletic rotational movement, Your core isn't crunching and doing sit-ups and working in that concentric way. Um, 
it's working in an explosive rotational way or maintaining stability of your spine and your trunk so that you can move your limbs freely. So without going into too much detail, my core training now is much more simplistic than it used to be. I'm not spending 15 to 20 minutes doing isolated abs exercises. Instead, I'm doing maybe one to two exercises that target the core that are focusing on that anti-rotation. Things like bird dogs or paloff press or explosive rotational movements with a medicine ball. Those are some of my favorites. And on top of that, also it's important to remember that your core is actively engaged during most athletic movements. So if you're doing heavy squats or deadlifts or lunges or even upper body exercises, it's likely that your core is being engaged. And if you're intentional about engaging it properly, you're going to experience gains in your core strength, in your ab definition, without having to do isolated ab exercises. So that's number one. Number two that I've changed my mind on is the benefit of consuming fats. So back in college, I used to track my macros and my calories uh, pretty religiously. Not necessarily because of any specific like body composition goal. Um, I wasn't trying to lose weight. I was just really interested in learning about food and making sure that I was eating enough. But back in college, I believed that the key to a healthy diet was to eat as few dietary fats as possible. And I don't know where I got that belief from, probably from Instagram, probably from the idea in my head of like, okay, well, if I eat less fat, then I'll have less fat on my body. So back at that time, I was only tracking up to like 45 grams of fat a day, which for anybody who's tracked, it's a pretty low amount of fats. Now, back in those days, the kinds of foods I was eating, I was always going for the low fat option. So I was eating egg whites and chicken breast and, you know, buying like low fat margarine butter instead of real butter, skim milk, um, things like that. I was going for the low fat option. And looking at my diet now, I'm eating a lot of fuller fat foods. So instead of egg whites, I eat eggs every single morning, three full eggs. Um, I also opt to eat chicken thighs instead of chicken breast. I eat a lot of red meat. I eat fuller fat yogurts instead of the zero like non-fat yogurts. And the reason why fats are so important and the reason why I've made this change is because for me, it definitely helps me feel more full and more satiated. Even though a lot of us, when we are on a fitness journey, are looking to lose weight, a lot of us aren't eating enough on a daily basis or aren't eating enough to fuel our bodies well. And opting for that fuller fat option is likely going to make you feel a little bit more full. So things like ground beef and full eggs and um, fuller fat yogurts and milks and things like that um, are going to be more advantageous for me to feel fuller. And on top of that, for things like eggs specifically, a lot of the vitamins that we get from eggs, a lot of the nutrients are actually in the egg yolk itself. The egg whites do have protein but they don't have as many nutrients that are necessary in our diet. So eating fuller fat eggs, it's more likely that you're going to get those essential nutrients. And then from a more scientific standpoint, fats are super important for hormones. 
the hormones in our body and literally like our cell membranes and all of these things are created from fat. So if we're not consuming it, it's going to be really hard for our body to keep up with those processes. And that's where you can see things like hormone imbalances or reproductive issues happen. And I'm not a medical, you know, clinician um, that can make specific claims about that. But I know from my background that fats play a very essential, crucial role in our body's development, our body's homeostasis. So you want to make sure that you're at least getting enough. Now, that being said, if your goal is to lose weight, if you're on a weight loss journey, a calorie deficit is 100% necessary. No matter what you hear or see on Instagram about you don't need to worry about calories, you need to worry about calories. So in that case, if you're somebody who's looking to cut out a couple hundred calories of your dietary intake, limiting the amount of fatty foods definitely helps. So for example, I spoke about that I like to eat fuller fat yogurt. If you opt for a non-fat yogurt compared to a full fat yogurt, you can cut out like 40 to 50 calories easy and still get a good amount of protein. That's a really great option. Or something like our our meats, right? I said that I like to eat chicken thighs. I think they're tastier. They fill me up more. I enjoy them more and I can fit them into my diet. But if you're somebody who's looking to lose weight, uh, preparing chicken breast is going to be more advantageous. So I definitely think that low-fat diets have a place, but I don't think that they're inherently healthier than consuming a pretty decent amount of fat in your diet. And that's a big one that I've changed my mind on. Number three that I've changed my mind on is less is more. And this is pertaining specifically to exercising. Now, when I say less is more, I used to overdo it when it comes to the gym. I used to push myself really hard. If I wasn't going to the gym five days a week, I felt like I wasn't doing enough for my fitness. I was packing my workouts with like 10 exercises, 12 different exercises, because I felt that the more that I could do in a training session, the more days a week that I could work out, the more that I was going to progress. And while it's important to consistently go to the gym, and you do need to get enough exposure and repetitions in order to progress and make gains, you don't need to be maxing out every single day, every single week on your training. A big, big eye-opening thing for me over the last two years has been the importance of recovery. And this specifically comes into play in my physical therapy practice. But what a lot of people don't realize, myself included for a while, is that the gains that we experience in fitness, things like building muscle, losing fat, getting stronger, getting faster, getting more explosive, feeling more energized, those things don't happen in the gym or on the track. Those things happen on the off days or while you're sleeping or during those recovery workouts that you're doing. So if you're constantly in the gym, breaking down the wall over and over and over again and not giving your body enough time to build it back up, you're going to plateau relatively quickly. And then in terms of each exercise session, Like I mentioned, I used to pack as many exercises as I could. 
I had a workout journal. I actually have one here, funny enough. Um, and for those of you who are watching this on Instagram or on Facebook, this is from 2020, so only two years ago. You can see all of the different exercises that I was performing in one day. Let me see how many are here. Like 13 exercises. Again, not a bad thing. I'm still going to get better. But if you think about doing a million different things in each training session, it's like you're, you know, digging a hole over here and another hole over here. And you might be going a mile wide, but only an inch deep. So when you're building your training sessions, my optimal amount of exercises now is closer to like five or six. Five is kind of my... my um, general like recommendation that I do for myself. So when I'm doing only five to six exercises, those five to six exercises are very full of effort. They're very focused. They're very intentional. I'm often doing compound exercises. So things like squats and deadlifts and bench press and overhead press and carries and things that I know are going to get give me a lot of bang for my buck. Now, accessory work is definitely important. So adding accessory work into your training session is great. Adding accessory work as an additional training session is great. But try not to do 10 to 12 isolated exercises because you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck by doing compound, bigger muscle group exercises, putting a full effort into them, doing four or five or six sets of them instead of you know, training every muscle possible in every single training session. Definitely a big thing that I've changed my mind on. Less is more people. Now, the last two here, switching into a little bit more of a mindset topic, two things left that I've changed my mind on. The first one is that meditation is for everybody. And I've talked about this many times. If you've been following my content, you've seen me post about this. I've been meditating for a little over a year and a half now. Some seasons, I'm really consistent, really intentional about it. Other seasons, it kind of slips onto the back burner and I don't do it as often. But back when I started meditating, I genuinely thought that I would never be able to do it. I'm a very loud and outgoing and busy person who has never really been able to sit still, ever, in my life. <laughs> so when I found out about meditation and all these people talking about how great it is, I'm like, no, like, I can never sit still and, like, just be by myself. And <clears throat> especially if you're somebody who has dealt with anxiety in the past or maybe has emotional thoughts that you run away from or things in your past that you don't really want to sit with. I have been there. And meditation is really intimidating because you're like, I don't want to just sit down with what's in my brain. I'm afraid of what's in there. I have felt and experienced all of those things. And what I've learned through my meditation practice is that it's for everybody because there's no specific rules about meditation. The idea of meditation that you have in your mind might be picturing a Buddhist monk sitting crisscross applesauce on a pillow for like an hour and completely clearing their mind of thoughts. Like nothing in there, empty room in the brain type of situation. And that's what I thought. 
And honestly, that's not what it's about. I've learned that for me, meditation is about getting closer to your thoughts. It's about spending more time with them. It's about recognizing what the heck is going on in there. If you're somebody who's striving to be a high achiever like I am, and you're taking on a lot of things, and you have a lot of things in life that you are passionate about and excited about, it's likely pretty jumbled in there. Like there's a lot going on in there. I know there is because I'm, I'm there too. So what meditation allows you to do is kind of sift through and organize those thoughts. You know, push past the boxes and get to the door that's going to lead you into the answer to your problem or the reason why you're experiencing so much distraction lately. The list goes on and on. But my point that I'm getting at here is that meditation is something that all of us can do and all of us should do. And for me, an ideal way of meditating is sitting with stillness. It's really hard for me. Five minutes or 10 minutes of meditation goes by really slow because I, I don't like to sit still. It's uncomfortable, but I do it because I know it's important. However, there are also a lot of other ways to channel mindfulness into your daily routine. I love, love, love mindful walks. So I'm talking outside. It's a summertime right now. All of us could take a walk going out to, you know, your favorite park or the beach if you're on vacation or literally just stepping outside your front door. No phone, no music, just walking just existing, listening to the birds, listening to the sounds around you, listening to what's going on inside of your own head for 10 minutes. It's amazing how much clarity that can give you towards whatever it is that you're meditating on or that you're working on. And for some people that I've spoken to about meditation, they like to do kind of mindfulness exercises when they're doing things around their home. So maybe next time you're folding laundry, Instead of watching a show on Netflix or watching the news or, I don't know, doing something else to distract your mind, fold your laundry and just be. Just just sit there. I know that sounds so boring, right? But we are constantly drowning our brains in distraction, in information, overstimulating ourselves. So find a chunk in your day where you can just be present while you're doing laundry, while you're doing the dishes, while you're walking your dog. So many options, and I promise that if you think you can't meditate, you can. It takes a little bit of time. It's uncomfortable. It might be emotional. It might be stressful. But once you break through that barrier, it is life-changing. And if you would like to hear more about meditation tips from me, I've posted about this a few times. I have a few episodes on it, and it's one of my favorite topics to discuss. So don't hesitate to reach out if you want to talk about that. Quick sip of water before our last tip. Number five that I have changed my mind on is that authenticity is always the way to go. I'm going to say that one again. Authenticity is always the way to go. And this is something that I continue to remind myself day in and day out because As outgoing and um, seemingly confident as I am, I definitely have struggled through the years to truly be my full self 
because I care a lot about what people think of me. Like straight up, I care way too much about what people think of me. And I don't think that it's an inherently bad trait because a lot of us, like, we like to make people happy. We like to make people feel good. As human beings, we crave acceptance. We are social beings. So it's all normal to feel that. But over the last year, since I started this podcast, since I've been more open on social media, and since I've found more people who are like-minded, who are just 110% themselves at all times, it's taught me that there's no point in being anybody other than yourself because nobody wins in that situation. If you are constantly trying to be something that you're not, maybe you're trying to seem smarter or more laid back or more outgoing or just like a personality trait that's not you, you're going to get tired of it really quick. You're going to get burnt out. And some people are really good at putting on like a fake face. Some people are really good at sheltering their true self and being somebody else. And people might not be able to detect that. But what people can always see and what always shines through is authenticity and passion. If you approach life 100% as yourself, if you're doing the things that make you excited, that make you want to get on Instagram and Facebook and talk to three people about it, that is what you need to be doing because on the other side of the screen, on the receiving end of that, People are going to feel that authenticity and that passion. And I'm not saying that because I know that from my personal experience being like a creator, because I can only see things through my eyes. But I have seen firsthand what it's like to be on the other side of that. The person that comes to mind for me is Joe Rinaldi. He is a physical therapist, performance coach, content creator, amazing dude. And he's one of the first people that I met through social media who is just 100% authentic, and people gravitate towards that. It's so refreshing when you accept the fact that you need to just be yourself, be your full, authentic self, because you're going to gravitate your tribe that way. If you are constantly trying to be somebody you're not, trying to impress people, trying to act a certain way, you're never going to attract the people who resonate with who you are at your core. Whereas when you are yourself all the time and you do what it is that your heart is calling you to do, even if you're scared about how it'll be received, there might be one person that you attract that's on the same page, but that one person can change your entire outlook on yourself and what it is that you're doing. So what this has looked like for me is I've always been the loud girl. Like ever since I was little, I was getting in trouble for talking too loud or too much. And over time, I've been called, you know, too much. So I'm always worried about like overwhelming people or coming on too strong or like having this big personality because some people like can't handle that. And I understand that. And for the longest time, I tried to change who I was to be able to please those people But then I understand that this world is full of big personalities. This world is full of people who are loud and excited and passionate and just want to like get up on a mountaintop and preach about their thing. (laughs) 
And there needs to be more of that because this world is so full of like doom and gloom and bullshit and news that are out to get us and depress us and make us anxious. And like, if more of us were just ourselves and just putting out this natural energy, how much happier would we all be? How much relieved would we be? My girl Allie is popping on here on Instagram saying we don't have time for the fakes. And she also added uh, one of my high school teachers who I used to get in trouble for talking too much. Thank you, Allie, for that reminder. But you know what? Like, if it wasn't for those days, I wouldn't be where I am now doing what I love. Um, So I hope that inspires you a little bit. You know, maybe at your core, you're an introvert and you love just being by yourself and being creative on your own and just like doing self-care by yourself, whatever it is. Don't try to force being somebody that you're not. And go out and find people who are like you. If you feel like you're the only one in your group who feels a certain way, or if you're, you feel like you're the most excited person, you know, in your social circle, like, go find other people who are like you, because it is so refreshing. I never thought that I'd be able to connect with people the way that I do now. And it's mostly through conversations like this, through a microphone, through social media, um, but it's life-changing. So I hope that you will go forth and be more authentic, be more yourself, because I cannot begin to express how much it has improved my mental health and my physical well-being as well. So to wrap things up here, guys, five things that I've changed my mind on, core training, the benefit of consuming fats, less is more when it comes to training, meditation is for everybody, and authenticity is always the way to go. I hope you enjoyed these things. These are just a few of the things that I've changed my mind on, guys. There's so many other things, and I'm excited along my personal health and fitness journey, along my career as a physical therapist and performance coach, to continue to share things that I'm learning, things that I'm experiencing, and don't be afraid to change your mind. It truly is one of the best ways to show how much you've grown and to experience growth is challenging your biases, challenging your previous beliefs, challenging the things that you really thought were true. Like there were certain things that I thought about working out. Like I I thought that I had to do 15 to 20 minutes of isolated abs exercises, or I thought that staying up until two o'clock in the morning in the library and studying for my exams was the best thing that I could do. I genuinely thought that. And I told other people to do the same thing. And my approach now is totally different. If I could go back to college, I would tell every single student that the night before their exam, you need to get eight hours of sleep because you're just simply going to perform better. So it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to challenge your beliefs. And it's okay to come out and admit that like, hey, I was wrong. Or I found a better way to do things. Or here's how I learned. So thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode, whether you're live on Facebook, live on Instagram, or tuning in on the Goal Set Mindset podcast. Episode 50, this is a big one. I'm coming up on one year and I have been absolutely loving it. I'm excited to continue to see um, where the show goes, where the community goes, especially as I enter into my career as a physical therapist starting in a few weeks. So thank you guys so, so much for the support. If you're enjoying the podcast, I would love if you went to your favorite platform and subscribed, 
whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, hit that subscribe button so you can get a notification from me when I drop an episode. And as always, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know what you think. I love you guys. Thank you for the support. And we will be back next week with another episode. Bye.